Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to how Stuart Broad went on to become... An incredible bowler in Test cricket. He's taken 500 wickets and we may never see another seamer ever do this again. So how did the son of a batsman who went for six sixes in Nova, struggled against the Netherlands, then go on to be one of the greatest bowlers in Test cricket? So today we'll talk to his mate and pub co-owner, Harry Gurney, his main wicketkeeper, Matt Pryor, plus Darren Goff will have his say. And of course, um, I've kept Steve Harmison with me, another tall, fast bowler to take us through just what makes Stuart Broad so special. You're listening to TalkSport 2. He doesn't protect what he has, but his figures and whatever, he's really not fussed. He is a team player and he'll do the job that is necessary for the team. Broad goes in once again, two slips and a gully! wants to win games of cricket for England. That's that's the thing that drives him. He loves playing test cricket. He loves representing England. But more than that, he loves winning. Stuart Broad has just taken his 500th test wicket and made the breakthrough England wanted this morning. Great celebrations considering there's no crowd in the ground, but Broad reaches 500. Amazing achievement. He'd probably got there a year ago if I could catch a slip. It's been a privilege to stand at mid-off and watch all your success, uh, the hat-tricks, the fifers and the match-winning spells. Not only are you going to go down as one of the greatest to ever put the England shirt on, you're also going to go down as one of the greatest to ever play the game. A phenomenal achievement, man. Something which you should be very, very proud of. It was special to get the 500. You know, it's, uh, it's great to have a family member in the, in the stadium. 
You're listening to how Stuart Broad joined the all-time bowling elite, a TalkSport 2 special. I am with Steve Harmson. I'm Jared Kimber. And I want to go back to the start with Stuart Broad a little bit because obviously we can remember, well, not all of the 500 wickets, unless Glenn McGrath's probably the only player who can remember all of his 500 wickets. Uh, but he started as an all-rounder, really, even a batsman when he was a young player. He went off to play club cricket in Australia, um, in, in my hometown of Melbourne, and apparently got sledged so much he started bowling quick because he was sick and tired of being abused by everyone. He then obviously went to the World T20. He was seen as a white ball bowler, got hit for six sixes by Yuvraj Singh, and in early 2009, he had to defend... Uh, fairly hard to defend totally against the Netherlands in the last over and fumbled a run out and Netherlands beat England, which was a huge game. But the reason I'm leading up all to that is at the end of 2009, at a point where he was still talked about really as an all-rounder, played in the 09 Ashes at the Oval, everything to play for, and suddenly Broad came out and was incredible. And Harmy, if I'm not mistaken, you were there. I was there, yeah, I was there. I was there in his debut. I'm looking at the scorecard right in front of me. The 9th of December 2007 um, in Colombo. Um, a, uh, Michael Vaughan captain, you know, looking down the side, it's a fairly, fairly strong England side and a, and a baby face Stuart Broad. But I remember just before that, I remember being in a team meeting. Andrew Strauss was captain against Pakistan. Um, in a one-day in a one-day side, and Duncan Fletcher used to have these team meetings, which was you know was was down the road of um, selection. It was a management meeting with senior players beforehand, just talking about things not generally towards team point of view. Um, but Stuart Broad's did, name did come up, and I remember my member saying, you know, we've got to pick him uh, in this in this game at Bristol, and. Um, when the work, when we worked out the who he needs to play in front of, I just I remember looking and thinking, it's me, <laughs> it's me. I, you have to leave me out. I, I wasn't interested in playing one day cricket. I hadn't performed that well, and and I worked out very quickly if this kid needs to play, he needs to play instead of me because you know he, he's he's ready to start playing international cricket. England picked him in New Zealand, and it was the end of of, of Harmson and Hoggard, and it was the right thing because. The cycle of fast bowlers that had come through England in the last sort of 15, 20 years was Caddick and Goff, mainly opening the bowling for England. Um, Harmison and Hoggard, who got through that, you know, 2005 and, and beyond. And then it was Broad and Anderson. And the difference between all of them is the dedication and their ability to put disappointment to one side uh, and, and be single minded and driven to get better. As individuals, not team. I know Matt Pryor's saying their team, but individuals to get themselves better because they knew they could get better. It would benefit the team. Jimmy Anderson, people try to change his bowling action. He's been around a long, long time, and he had some. He had a rough start. Stuart Broad, a little bit similar, but their ability to get better and want to move with the times and get better through that and dedication to perform. Was why is why the two of them are going to be England's best ever cricketers. There's so many different facets to his cricket that I find, you know, very interesting. But one is because he did grow up, you know, as a batsman and obviously came into international cricket. I think he batted seven at times. Certainly, certainly at times he was thought to be, you know, an a proper all rounder. But to me, he always seemed to almost think more like a bowler who had batted. 
and yeah. he, he was always sort of thinking batsmen out in a way that a lot. I, mean, I heard Michael Holding talking recently about just bowling seam up the whole time. He, he's almost like compared to that, Broad's been a you know mad scientist. He's always coming up with theories and different ways, and he's always trying to work out what the batsman wants to do in a way that a lot of bowlers don't. Uh, absolutely, and I think that's his biggest asset. And there was a lot of talk, and, and and Matt alluded to it. Matt Pryor alluded to it in the little piece that we've got, and I'll I'll put that to him when he when he comes on. Is there was a lot of thinking about Broad and Anderson looking at there, and I'm and I'm talking about the two of them here in context because as much as I want to isolate the two of them and talk about them individually, but they work so well together, and a lot was talked about. They put the ball in an area which batsmen can't hit, i.e. early on, they try and ball people out, put the ball wide of off stump. But actually what they're doing and what the art of fast bowling is is to make sure that you are in a position to get the batsmen where you want them to be for then when you go in for the kill. And my my the biggest the biggest thing I would probably say to Jimmy, because obviously I'm a little bit older than Jimmy when Jimmy first came in, Jimmy was the most skillful young bowler that I have ever seen. He could bowl an in-swinger. Ben Stokes is the same. He could bowl an in-swinger. He could bowl an out-swinger. He could bowl a Yorker. He could bowl a slower ball. He could bowl an out-bouncer. The problem that I had was they wanted to bowl it all in one over. Now, the reason why Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson are, the, are what they are now is they've got an ability to work out what that batsman is going to want and what that batsman is not going to want when he comes out to the middle. And that's what they are so good at. And when you mentioned there about Stuart Broad and his batting, he thought like a batsman, so he could put that into his bowling. Um, and until, to be fair, until Varun Arons hit him in the face, he was mm. a genuine, well, not a genuine all-rounder in the context of Ben Stokes and Andrew Flintoff and, and people like that. But he was, why England was so successful, had people, like we talked about in the Cricket, uh, cricket Collective, you know, not more than 45 minutes ago, that if England can get off to a good start and absorb the ball at the top of the order... You had Matt Pryor coming in at seven. Yeah, Graham Swan coming in at eight, and Stuart Brawl coming in at nine. One of them could get a hundred in Pryor, and two of them quite comfortably in Swan and Broad had the ability to get fifty off less than a runner ball. Now, if you've got that coming at seven, eight, and nine against tired bowlers, that wins a Test match every time. And that, for me, fundamentally, was why England was so strong in that sort of 2010 period onwards. So Stuart Broad has sealed his place as uh, one of cricket's, you know, most executive clubs, picking up his 500th test wicket. He becomes just the seventh bowler to reach that milestone and just the fourth fast bowler to get there. The former England bowler Darren Goff um, told TalkSport earlier that his attitude has been the most impressive throughout his career. It goes away uh, whenever he realises something's not quite right and he's under pressure to keep his place. He goes away and works on his game. Uh, whether it be changing his run-up two years ago to now making that left side stronger, and which is helping him get a better seam position, go down the pitch. He moved the ball both ways in the, these two test matches. I mean, he looked like taking a wicket all the time. And I think he was at 10 for... He's got 10 for 67. 10 for 67 in this game. Three years ago, two years ago, his average was just over 30, Stuart Broad. Blimey. He's now averaging 28 with a ball. That's how much he's come down. With the wickets he's got, you consider that takes some doing. He's averaged around 21 and a half the last year and a half in Test cricket. Similar to James Anderson. Both of them have got their averages down from over 30, which was steady, right? Steady. Now to where it should be, 27, 28. So well done to both of them. 
but Stuart Broad has proven in these two test matches, especially in English conditions, he has got a lot to offer still. He did get man of the series, and in his 13-year-old test career, how many man of the series awards has he won before now? One. Correct. India in 2011. How on earth did you know that? That's impressive. You know your cricket, don't you? Mm. Uh, talk to me about Ricky Ponting's uh, tweet because this is really interesting. Ricky Ponting, we thought he was, gonna, he was paying tribute to Stuart Broad, and he probably was, but it's intriguing. You explain it for us. Oh. Ponting's tweet was this. Congratulations, Stuart Broad, on 500 test wickets. Always a tough competitor and a very skillful bowler, especially in English conditions. English conditions do make him an handful. Anderson, Broad and Wokes. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And when I've just talked about those figure averages, if you look at their averages, when they do go abroad, it's not quite as good. They're, they're well into... I mean, Wokes is around 50. Um, Anderson and Broad are more like 33, 34, 35. So it's not quite as good. But they're still performers. Anderson's performed in Australia, performed in South Africa, performed in India, all around the world, right? You, you don't play that long if you don't perform in certain countries. Broad's done it. I remember him getting wickets and they wouldn't put his name, remember that, in Australia when he got 5-4 and then because he'd slugged them off or something or he didn't walk, that's it. Remember they put a picture yes, of him, right, yeah, black, yeah. blacked out picture and they mm. wouldn't put his photo of him on and he bowled him out. The problem he's had when he's gone to Australia in the past is he keeps getting injured and keeps coming home after one or two tests and he's not been quite at his best. That's where that comes from. But in English conditions, that those three bowlers, say it again, Wokes, um, Broad and Anderson are excellent. What it does is give me... I know Wokes is not as young as he used to be. He's getting on a little bit now, but he's still got... If we look after him, like Anderson and Broad's being looked after, when one of them goes, possibly Anderson in 12 months, wherever it may be, Wokes can do that job for another couple of years till we find someone else. And then we'll need two, because Broad will be gone by then as well. So, But there's so many good bowlers around at the moment. We're in a very, very good position. Uh, Wokes with a five foot. I think the um, is is Ricky Ponting trying to tell us just hold on a bit here. Yeah, you've got to. There go are Australia. some greats, but yes, yeah. that's what he's trying to say. Is that he's not quite one of the greats. Is that what he's saying? Well, that's what they would say. But he's got five hundred Test wickets. It's very hard to argue. Longevity plays a big part in a cricketer's stats, doesn't it? If you play one hundred and fifty Tests, you're going to get wickets. Longevity. If you play 150 tests as a batsman and you're keeping the side, you're going you're to get runs. And it shows that the highest wicket run scorer is Alistair Cook, played 150-odd tests, might have been more. And Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad have played, both played over 150 tests. Longevity, that, that's just the modern-day cricketer now, with the games they're allowed to play. If you compare that to the likes of uh, Bob Willis and myself and, and Flintoff and those guys at Armisen played anything between 50 and 80 tests, you know what I mean? Very difficult. But now these boys, they're well looked after. They can stay fit. They're fit as they should be. Uh, they've got trainers with them all the time. They have to reach certain standards with their fitness work. And they've realised you can stay fit for 10 years as an international cricketer. You leave the game a very wealthy man. And it gives them that hunger. They've both got it. It's a huge credit to Anderson and Broad to still be going and still wanting to keep going. 600 wickets approaching for Jimmy. Broad's on his tail now, 501 wickets he's got. That's going to be an interesting battle now because Anderson's going to be thinking, I've got to keep going here mm. just to make sure he doesn't catch me for another 12 months. So if he stays fit, 
I reckon Jimmy's got another 12 months at least. In certain conditions, he's still going to be a huge handful. And Broad, if he carries on, his last two years, he's been outstanding. England keep try- dropping him. They dropped him in Sri Lanka. They dropped him again. They dropped him in South Africa. They keep dropping him, but he keeps coming back. That was Darren Goff on a drive, uh, you know, in talking about Stuart Broad and some of the incredible achievements that he's had. You're listening to how Stuart Broad joined the all-time bowling elite, a TalkSport 2 special. Still to come, we'll find out what it, like, he is like inside the dressing room as his former teammate and TalkSport 2 commentator, Matt Pryor, joins us. Outside edge, on goal. The flick and the flash. Stuart Broad on a charge. to how Stuart Broad joined the all-time bowling elite, a TalkSport 2 special. As you heard there, just one of the many highlights of Stuart Broad's career, the hat trick uh, of which uh, maybe not all the decisions were out, but that doesn't matter. He, he took a few of them. And uh, to uh, celebrate Stuart Broad's career, uh, we've got on his mate, Matty Pryor. Hello, Matty. How are you? Good evening, boys. How Hello, Matty. All right, let's start Tell with the important stuff, Matty. You yeah. took 53 catches off Stuart Broad. Can you take us through all 53? And also, how many did you drop? Because that's all that Broad is going to remember. I bet Broad can remember the ones you dropped. <laughs> and one thing very clear, I could not remember all 53, but... Um, I, because I didn't dare drop any others. <laughs> he, he, he would let you know. I mean, I wonder how many wickets he, he would actually be on if all, all the catches were taken. He, he's got... I, I remember talking about this. I think it was in the Caribbean, wasn't it? 99, many, I think it was, wasn't it? 99 drop catches. That's right. He was right up there, wasn't he? So, I mean, really, he should be... OK, well, let's say half of those are half chances, so he should <laughs> be on 550, really. But, um, no, amazing day for him. Matty, if you had, a, if you had DRS, he'd, be, he'd, he'd have 750. He'd be weird in front of everybody else, if you asked Brody, because they were, they were all out. But you, you know him better than... You know, you know him better than anybody else. He's had yeah. kicks and knockbacks, and I sat here I sat here a week ago or two weeks ago, and I knew what the reaction would be, but you know him the best. You're sitting at home listening to, listen to him give his interview at Southampton. Um, Stuart Broad was never going to hope he was going to perform at Manchester, was he? He was always going to perform. Always. Always. I mean, they're trying to get rid of him, aren't they? So they, <laughs> he just won't go away. Um, they've got to drop him first test of the series every time and England will win because he keeps coming back, taking wickets. Well, none of the series this time and, and, and England get the win. I, I think it's, it's one of, you know, whether you like, whether you're Stuart Broad fan or not, and I, I struggle to see how you can't be, um, you know, being one of England's greatest ever cricketers and having now reached that amazing uh, landmark of 500 wickets. He, I've, I've just listened, I've actually listened to the show and, and was listening to Goffey talking about longevity. Now, longevity is a skill in itself. You know, whether it's physical and remaining fit, um, whether it's mental and being able to take the stresses and strains mentally for as long as 
as these guys have to, playing a 13-year-long test career. But the other thing, is, longevity, is, is remaining selectable. And through a 13-year career, I mean, the game has changed. I mean, the game's changed since we finished, Tommy, mm. immeasurably. And what he's had to do is go away and reinvent himself and come back stronger. You know, how he's, how he's worked out this round the wicket to a left-hand left, um, left batsman, how he, you know, dominated Warner um, the last Ashes series, that's something he's learned in these later years. I mean, that's not something he had when he was a young bowler. He's learned that in the last, what, 18 months or so. But that's it's, it's that's incredible. a that's a skill, Matt. Sorry to cut you off. That's a skill in itself from a bowler point of view. Absolutely. But, but it's the biggest attribute, or the biggest attribute I think he's got in what makes him greatness, is that this is not a 23-year-old kid. This is 34-year-old who could easily go. I, 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 I'm going to sound like Goffier talking about money, but it's it's. I've got a few quid in my bank. They've dropped me again. I'm not that bothered. I'm going to go off. It's like no. I'm not going nowhere. You're not going to drop me. You might chuck me in Jimmy Anderson's you know, bracket and the two of us mm. together. But I want to get better. And, you know, like I said, you, you kept wicked to him a lot. And you, we've heard little snippets of what you said in the Caribbean. And I picked up on it earlier. Sometimes Broad and Anderson got labelled as selfish. And you're talking about um, longevity. The ability to hide the ball. It wasn't a case of hiding the ball. It was just making the batsman come to them. And their skill for me was, and you know better because you were keeping wicket, was the ability to strike. And I would say to any young fast bowler, Jared, you don't get a ball. You don't try and get a wicket every ball. You try and set a batsman up. And I think that's what Broad and Anderson, they've been, you know, the, the ball with a, a Duke ball, so they've got a little bit more leeway and a little bit more chance to set a batsman up for a little bit of a longer period because the ball's always doing that a little bit more. But their ability to strike when it's the right time is what makes these two good. And I think because of that, I think that's why they've not gone away and they've kept wanting to get better. Yeah, I, listen, Hami, the other thing I'll add about Brody as a character is, make no mistake, he's, he's a winner. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that is he, he, will, get, he will get in the fight. He, will, um, he wants to win. And going back to that, what is your motivation for these guys now to be waking up every morning? They will be in agony. I mean, Hami, you know what it feels like. A bowler in the morning, your toes are sore, your ankles are sore, you're on that, God knows what pills. Doc, get over here, I need a massage. To keep going, keep turning up. It's got to be bigger than money. It's got to be bigger than, mm. you know, anything else. And ultimately, I know exactly what it is. It's playing cricket for England and it's winning test matches for England. That is what drives Stuart Broad. I, I spoke to him last week and he was, he was genuinely hurt. It wasn't like, oh, I'm a bit disappointed, you know, a bit gutting. He, 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 was, he was hurt to the core that he, the series that he had had previously, the Ashes, South Africa, leading that attack while Jimmy was, um, was injured, uh, you know, everyone talks about Anderson, and rightly so. But I don't. I think because everyone talks about Jimmy, Brody maybe doesn't get the credit he deserves. He led that attack when Jimmy wasn't there, and to come to the first test after this long, long period off, I think he's, I think he's averaged what 21 in Test cricket the last 18 months. To be to be left out is is kind of criminal. Uh, you know, if you had a batsman, let, let's say, what, what would you say uh, for a batter? A bowler averaging 21 in test cricket, what's that, the equivalent of a batter averaging 55, maybe? I imagine, Harmony, you'll say more like 60 or 70. But, <laughs> it's um, batsman's game, Matt. Come on. Yeah, exactly. You had two goals. So you could catch exactly. a thing as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes. <laughs> um, but, you know, let's, let's say you've just had a batsman 
Um, the last 18 months, being leading run scorer in the Ashes and against South Africa, averaging 60, 65 in test match, test match cricket for the last 18 months, and first test comes along and he's dropped. I mean, there'd be absolute outrage. You just wouldn't... It, well, you, it would never happen. So, you know, I know he was hurting. And as you said earlier, Steve, it was... The writing was on the wall of what was going to happen. He was going to come in and he was, he was going to win. And he was going to help England win. And he wanted to have an impact, a definite impact on the game. Now, look, did he expect to get ten for this match, man of the series? I mean, that, that's an incredible impact. And it's, and, and it's, and it's thoroughly well-deserved. Um, but never, never write him off, that is for sure. We're talking Stuart Broad here, if you're just tuning in, and we have Matthew Pryor, the former England wicketkeeper, and specifically Stuart Broad's wicketkeeper quite a few times. Maddie, I wanted to ask you about a story that you uh, t told, I think you might have told it on air, hopefully it wasn't in a bar late at night, uh, about, about Broadie in, I think it was in Durham during the 2013 Ashes, you had to have a, a couple of words with him. He can be quite single-minded at times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he can be. He can be stubborn, um, and and all the all the fantastic players are. You know, they've 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 got an ego about them. Of course, they have. They've got their own ideas and opinions on what they should be doing and what the team should be doing. But that particular occasion, it was Durham. Uh, yeah, in, in the Ashes, we were ahead of the game, and and then we needed to we needed to bowl Australia out. For, I think I think it was roughly three hundred something, maybe just, maybe just under actually. Um, and we had a very clear plan to, to David Warner specifically. Um, and we just weren't executing that plan, quite frankly. And, and the Aussies were sort of 90 for none, I think. Um, Buck Rogers was tucking in at the other end. But we just hadn't bowled well. And in particular, Brody hadn't, hadn't executed a plan to, to Warner. And we came off a tee. Now, look, Stu and I are our best mates. We're great mates. But the one thing we had in that dressing room was, was something we referred to as brutal honesty. Um, the, only, the only chat we had was, does it, does, it, does it help the team win? If, if it helps the team win, it needs to be said. And, you know, I went up to Brody and, and had that honest chat with him and said, listen, mate, what, what are you doing? Quite frankly, that, that's not the plan. We know that's not the plan. We're bowling straight into these areas. And we had a, we had a really heated discussion um, right there and then, um, which will remain in, in that dressing room. But, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a good, honest terror about the plan and the fact that he wasn't executing it. And he told me this and told me that and told me to go, whatever. But I was just watching him over tea. And he was sitting there quietly. And you could see he was fuming, but you could also see he was thinking. And I know, and he will not admit it, but I know he was thinking, damn it, he's right. He is right. We've not, we've not got it right. And I've not got it, not got it right to Warner. What happened after tea? Six for nothing. I, I can't remember how many wickets, but he rolled them out in an hour. And we won the test match um, that evening. And, it, you know, it just teaches you something about, about Broad is, yeah, he will fight back. Yeah, he will have an opinion. Yeah, he will be stubborn. But he's also more than willing to listen, accept accountability, accept responsibility, and accept that sometimes he may have to change and he may have to adapt. Um, and ultimately, that's what he was able to do in the space of tw a 20-minute tea break. And then when he got it right, I mean, a feature, as we know, of, of, of his bowling is when, when he gets his knees up, um, he, can, he can run through teams. Um, and to have a bowler like that with that skill, and he just, and you can feel it. So, you know, I'm, I'm going on now, but I'm bringing back memories of, of standing behind the stump, especially in the house. And you could, you could literally see when he hit his straps and he was able to bowl that slightly fuller length, but keep the pace and bounce on it. 
And the minute he hit that, you just you were just waiting. You as a wicketkeeper on the slip quarter, you were just waiting for the for the edges to come because you knew they would. And Matty, the, the 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 difference I believe the good and the great is what comes next and how the, the you know the good get better and you know they don't look behind them and they look they look forward. Stuart Broad, thirty four year old, what potentially number not so much number as he's looking for, but where do you think Stuart Broad sees himself in eighteen months, two years time? Is it without his great mate in Jimmy Anderson? Or do you still believe that Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad, I still think they've got a future um all over the world because I think a lot of it was down to England not scoring enough runs. But I still think they can do it. Do you think English cricket has got two or three years left, more two years left of of Broad and Anderson, and where do you think Stuart will see himself wanting to try and get to um, when it comes to the, the wicket total? Because he's got five. If Jimmy goes on, I look at Jimmy playing about eight, ten test matches over the course of the next sort of 18 months. That'll take him to 630, 640 wickets. Do you think Stuart will be looking at 600, or do you think he'll be looking for even more? Well, he's going to be chasing him, isn't he? I mean, no one wants to be second, mm. um, and, and certainly Gordy's makeup and attitude. He'll be, he'll be, and, it, and quite rightly, he'll be saying, "Well, if Jimmy can be bowling as he is now, at, at the age he is, then why can't I?" And actually, if you do the math, if I'm playing at the same age that Jimmy is now, then I'm, I might be just ahead of him. Um, so I, I think, I think that that will potentially be in the back of his mind, but I don't think it's the, I don't think it's the main driver. I, I think the the Right now, you can tell in both of them the motivation is there, 100%. Mm. And I think they just are addicted to winning test matches and playing crew for England and winning test matches for England. I think that's, that's their main driver. And they influence, if they can influence... Well, sorry, if they can. They want to influence winning cricket matches. That, that, is their, that is their motivation. And I think that they've got to that number where really it's kind of irrelevant um, and they'll get to a point where the number of wickets they've got is the number of wickets they've got. Mentally, they're there. The motivation is there. It will just be how long the body can, can hold on for. You, you know Army better than anyone, the rigours of fast bowling. And, and, and fingers crossed, touch wood, it doesn't happen for a long time. And, and they get to make a choice, both of them, of when they want to stop um, before their, their body sort of gives up on them. Um, but you look, know, my my mentality is if they're getting the ball in the right area, with enough pace on it, and and still with the skill and ability to execute, then why on earth would you not have them in the team? Um, they're, they're 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 the two best bowlers England have ever had, and they should be selected on um, their ability to win games of England, uh, win games of cricket, nothing else. That is Matty Pryor, who's with TalkSport, but we've not really got him on because he's a TalkSport guy, more because he's taken so many balls from Stuart Broad. Uh, you're listening to how Stuart Broad joined the all-time bowling elite, a TalkSport 2 special. And coming up next, we'll get more insight into what uh, what makes Stuart Broad tick, especially in his early years, from his Nottinghamshire teammate and pub co-owner, Harry Gurney. This is TalkSport 2. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including... England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Oh, beauty. Oh, 300. He's joined the big club. Stuart Broad. What a beauty. What an absolute pearl around the wicket. Oh, gone. What a start for Broad and England. Oh, gone. Oh, he's Broad again. Sensational stuff. And gone. Stuart Broad moves on to five for six. Gone. That's another. And another. And another. All gone. Brilliant from Broad. Eight for 15. Best bowling figures on this ground. But Stuart Broad take a bow. Absolutely awesome. That was Stuart Broad taking eight for 15 against Australia. Uh, sad to say I was actually there at that stage. Uh, but we're going to continue to celebrate his milestone of reaching 500 test wickets. You're listening to how Stuart Broad joined the all-time bowling elite, a TalkSport 2 special. So let's get more insight. We've talked to a wicketkeeper, but let's talk to a fellow bowler and uh, a not teammate. Harry Gurney is joining us. Harry, how are you? Hi, Jared. I'm really well, thanks. That was um, the commentary about eight for... Uh, 15 there was giving me goosebumps. I'm sure you didn't enjoy it too much, but uh, I did. Yeah, goosebumps isn't the word I'd use, but I won't, I won't <laughs> say what I would on air. Now, you, you have a really uh, special relationship with Stuart Broad. You've known him for a long time, but you, you're also business partners. You've got your own pub together, don't you? Yeah, we've got two. Um, I'm sat in one of them as we speak, actually. It's closed, <laughs> um, it's closed today, but uh, I'm genuinely at the moment, I'm digging trenches to put raised beds in in one of his pubs while he's probably sat at home drinking something expensive and red, I'd have thought. But, um, yeah, we are in business together and uh, we have a lot of fun with it. And uh, what was he like uh, when he was coming up? I mean, we've talked about a little bit on the show how he was an all-rounder um, and times, but what was he like as a, as a you know, a young kid um, when, you, when you first sort of came along? Well, I mean, he was, he was a batter originally. We, um, he, he's a year above me. Um, so he first got picked for Leicestershire second team, I think, as an opening batter. He scored a double hundred for the... Leicester under 17s, I think it was, and he bowled some sort of floaty medium pace. Um, and then he went over to 
I think it was Hopper's Crossing in Melbourne and grew about three foot and came back bowling the speed of light and um, the rest is sort of history really. I think someone someone got under his skin one day in a second team and um, the legend has it that he just he, he ramped it up and sort of never looked back from that day onwards. Doesn't Harry, sound like something that would happen in Melbourne. I can't believe it did. <laughs> Harry, you came on the scene and, and sort of burst on the scene as a young, long, blonde-haired locks uh, with a white mm. ball. Um, but it, I always believed that this kid had the you know the potential to be you know one of the one of the, one of the fantastic fast bowler because mm. his determination and drive to get better. My my first mm. impressions of Stuart. Um, when I first came across him, I think in, in late 2007, was his ability to to want to get better. You know, you grew up with him. Was that always the case with him? Yeah, I think that's what stands him out. I think you're absolutely right, Harmy. It's um, it's that competitive spirit when he gets on the pitch and the desire to solve problems and, and find a way of getting a batsman out. And you know, test pitches these days are pretty flat, um, and um, he's an expert at, at just finding a way. And as you've seen throughout his career, it's sort of punctuated by these just unbelievable performances where he just rips through a team and wins a game for England. And um, yeah, it's it, from day one, he's always had that. Uh, it's always been his attitude. He's really grabbed his own career uh, by the scruff of the neck. I think that's a common thing in all the with all the great players that I've been fortunate enough to play with, all far better than me. They all um, have a real firm grasp of where they're going with their career, and th- and they. Um, almost sit down with coach and say, this is what I want to do rather than the other way around. And, you know, you're a bowler who has uh, got his own sort of bowling style and has obviously gone on to be, you know, a world-class T20 bowler. Broad's quite interesting. Uh, you know, you talked about it a little bit as he grew up as a batsman and he thinks about the game a little bit differently. I, I mm. quite often think of him as almost like a mad scientist, the way that he sort of puts all these things together. It must be fascinating for you to be able to sit there and watch him and, and how he thinks about the game and chat to him about these things. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, you know, which a lot of great players have in common, real students of the game, and Broad is no different. He's, he loves the game, he loves talking about the game, um, he loves passing on his knowledge to younger players, um, and his record in white ball cricket is not too shabby either, let's not forget. So, um, yeah, he's, it's, been a, it's been an honour and a pleasure, really, to play with him over the years and, um, and be mates with him and now be in business with him. And, uh, I mean, it's just it's just... You know, I'm having to pinch myself that he's got 500 wickets, so God knows how he must feel. And he's not going to be uh, doing the raised beds or, or serving coffee or pints in the bar relatively soon, is he? Stuart Broad, no. that, in, that interview in Southampton, I, I believed he was going to Old Trafford knowing that he was going to perform. And yeah. uh, they're not going to get rid of him anytime soon, are they? No, I think he's uh, I think he's made his point, to be fair. It was uh, fairly emphatic, wasn't it, to come back and get, and get man of the series. And, and good on him, That's that's and that's exactly the kind of, that sort of epitomises him, really. And uh, obviously after he got hit in the face, his, his batting has changed quite a bit when Varun Aaron hit him with that bouncer. Do you think mm-hmm. that, you know, he, you know, without that sort of an incident, he, he, he was, you know, he made 160 in a test match. There was, there's mm. probably, he's left a little bit on the table, hasn't he, because of that one incredible thing. And, you know, it must have changed him quite a lot emotionally. Yeah, I think so. I think it was, a, it was one of those moments when he looks back on his career that was quite significant for him. And, um, yes, maybe he could have, uh, maybe he could have scored more runs over the years, but I think if, if you offered him what what he's achieved and uh, and zero runs, he'd have taken it. It's um, you know, it just it just ripped through teams, hasn't he? Left, mm. right, and centre. And yes, he would have loved, I'm sure, to have, to have scored more runs. He's a, he's a batter naturally at heart, and he thinks like a batter and talks like a batter at times, as you <laughs> say. But um, 
yeah, what a, what a career he's had. And having having spent time with him at school, or, or youth cricket, Harry, you've came mm. through second team cricket with him, been around mm. him on the, the first class scene, you know, mm. a little bit international scene. Now got uh, business interests with him. Where do you mm. think Where do you think you and Stuart will be when you're so late forties or in the fifties? Where can you see Stuart Broad going next after his after his career? He's still got a bit to go, but when he uh, when he does hang up his boots. I, I could see him just slipping into uh, Beefy's shoes and travelling the world. <laughs> what, drinking yeah, wine? Harry, I've been out for a drink with Stuart. He ain't in Beefy's league. <laughs> Never mind anybody else. That <laughs> yeah, he'll, uh, he'll, be, he'll be in a commentary box somewhere around the world. But um, hopefully the vision for the company is that we, we build it up and we have sites all across the Midlands and maybe beyond and maybe flog the lot one day and, um, and play some golf. But uh, that's the dream. That's what we're working on. I hope you do well, pal. Thank you. Cheers, Army. Thanks for coming on, Harry. Thanks, gents. You're listening to how Stuart Broad joined the all-time bowling elite, a TalkSport 2 special. Still to come, we'll look at what the future holds for the right-arm seamer as he looks to move up the list of cricket's most successful ever bowlers. has just taken his 500th test wicket and made the breakthrough England wanted this morning. Lovely little piece of bowling to the right-handed Craig Brathwaite. The ball nipping back in, kept a bit low, hit Brathwaite on the back leg, plumb in front of middle stump. Absolutely no doubt about it as far as the umpire was concerned. Great celebrations considering there's no crowd in the ground, but Broad reaches 500. The West Indies, 45 for three. It's obviously a pretty ridiculous achievement um, to, you know, to get 500. And he's obviously chipped in some handy runs in this test match as well, which is nice to see. So, um, yeah, he's bowling really well at the minute. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we keep grabbing him the switch. He knew exactly when to seize the moment, and he did it. And for me, that's why he has to play it, because he's a match winner. Stuart Broad becomes just the seventh bowler to take over 500 test wickets, joining an exclusive group in the process. You're listening to how Stuart Broad joined the all-time bowling elite, a TalkSport 2 special. Well, we're actually going to go to the man himself because he was asked a very interesting question about whether he may, in fact, be the last bowler to pass 500 test wickets. Someone's got to play a lot of cricket, a lot of cricket, um, because, you know... There's a, there is a lot of competition out there for cricket with different T20 franchises, 100 ball. Um, you know, I've, I feel very lucky that we've played cricket, played cricket for England for an era that we've met. We've played a lot of test cricket in the summer and a lot of test cricket in the winter. But I could even, you know, I think there's talk about that sort of thinning the amount of test matches we've played in the summer down. So, uh, um, you need a lot of test matches to go and get 500 wickets. So I, don't, I think there'll be people with the talent who would be able to get there numbers-wise, but whether they'll be able to play the amount of test matches that the seam bowlers have to get to that feat uh, remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I think looking at that, Harmy, I think seam bowlers are the ones that I think might struggle. Nathan Lyon has taken 390 wickets for Australia. He's 32 years old. I think Ravi Ashwin might be even a little bit older than Nathan Lyon, but he's got over 300 wickets. So we've got two current spinners who take a lot of wickets and could certainly play for another five or six years if they both wanted to, who aren't T20 specialists. But as far as seam bowlers go... I mean, it's going to have to be an Australian, English or Indian player just because of the amount of tests. And there's just so many reasons for them not to play every test anymore. Yeah, exactly. And I think the the way the, the volume of cricket that's been played, like Stuart said there. Do you know what I wish Stuart had just said there? 
because no, I don't think there's going to be anybody <laughs> going to get anywhere near. I think if you had asked him that question after Southampton, I think he would have said it. Um, but I, I don't think there is. You know, Jared, you know, the, there might be the odd, the odd spinner. Lie, you mentioned Lyon might get there and, and Ashwin, but I don't think I don't even think the team will get anywhere near 400, 450 um, because of the longevity, and that's what we talked about. You've talked about, you know, there's some great people talked about Stuart Broad on this program, you know, and all have talked about is longevity. Mm. And I don't see the amount of cricket that, especially now after this pandemic and the, the condensed schedule that's going to be over the next course of four years, I don't think there's going to be enough cricket played by an individual to to excel and get themselves in a position to get 400 wickets, never mind 500. And I think from from that reason is why we have taken... We, I don't think we have taken Broad and Anderson for granted. But I tell you what, we've got to appreciate what we've got because when them two have gone, like the, the Cooks, the Petersons, the Strauss and Bell before that, then it's going to leave a massive hole in the, the same department of English cricket because... We talk about what a you know a great array of riches we've got at this moment in time in English cricket, but we've got two leaders at the moment. All of a sudden, you, when them two go, we're going to have good bowlers, but we're not going to have the experience, the nous, the, the skill level, and the know-how to lead from the front and go and take in 20 wickets in a Test match. And that is why these two are the best that we've ever had. We've talked a lot about how they've taken their wickets and what sort of person that um, uh, Brody is. Uh, what we haven't talked about is how stunningly entertaining he is. Mm. I think, you know, I love watching Jimmy Anderson bowl, but Jimmy Anderson doesn't really change his facial expression. Uh, well, he's changed it about three times in his entire career. <laughs> Brody, I mean, Brody putting his hands on his face became a meme uh, that was used in other sports because it was so entertaining. We've got the, the moment where he didn't walk when the ball went to slip in the uh, 2013 Ashes, which became such a big thing uh, in Australian cricket that people printed up T-shirts, mm. T-shirts of which I cannot even say the full <laughs> phrase of on air. Um, all these sorts of things keep happening. Oh, what about the celebrity appeal? I mean, he's yeah. basically invented a kind of appeal that had never happened before. Uh, and we, we, you know, uh, something that me and Maddie talked about a lot was the fact that you wouldn't, England wouldn't listen to Brody when he was trying to get DRS. He's always just had this ability to be entertaining. And you know, in the same test, he's taken the 500 wickets. He put together that ridiculous innings of his. That, that look, you know, that look nothing like young um, Broad. He's just constantly. Um, and, and that's not even going into the 8 for 15 or the 09 Ashes where he came from nowhere and took those wickets and, the, the you know, the hat tricks that he had. He, he once took a hat trick and didn't even realise he took it. He's been... It's almost like a, he's a cricketer who was made for Twitter. And people have just loved him so much. Yeah, and then that's, you know, the, the broad appeal and everything that goes with Stuart. I think he's... He's been... He's gone under the radar... And it's ridiculous saying this. He's got under the radar because he's got 500 test wickets. It just shows you how, you know, the, the partnership with Anderson and how much Jimmy, because of his age, he's a little bit older and he's been around that a little bit longer, has been more in the forefront than what, what Stuart has. But Stuart's, um, his expressions, his enthusiasm, the way he goes about his job, you'd think it should have been should have been the other way. He actually told me a great story about, I did a, a Q&A with him where I had to in, interview him um, for, um, I think it was at the Belfry, 
And he um, he told me a story about that that T-shirt. And we can't say what was on that T-shirt. The Australians were giving him <laughs> some stick. And he said he walked through a park in... Um, he, he told a great story. He walked through a park in Adelaide and there was a guy with a yellow T-shirt on and this thing was printed on the front, um, which was a lot of expletives. And it was something that... It was it was horrible, to be fair, you know, to what was put to... You know, was labelled at him. And he said, I couldn't get away from this guy. And this guy was walking towards me and I didn't know what to do and thinking, right, I'm going to have to take it on the chin. And the guy just turned around to him, tapped him on the shoulder and said, excuse me, Matt, do you know where the nearest park is? And it was like, this bloke had a T-shirt on and didn't even know who he was. So, you know, he's played the pantomime villain as well as he's played the hero. You talk about everything that's gone with him in positivity and, you know, kept getting left out. Sri Lanka, the West Indies and South Africa. Running out of nice things to say about this kid. I love this kid. I think he is a, he's been a champion for, for English English sport. I think he's been a fantastic ambassador. Um, and I still think there's a little bit more life in Stuart Broad yet. I've said this many times. You work as a, as a pundit and sometimes when you've played with these guys, it can cloud your judgment on whether it's the right time to say good things and the right time to say criticise them. You try and be as honest and objective as you possibly can. My humble opinion working for TalkSport and TalkSport 2, talking about this great game we love. And I still believe Anderson's got life in him. And I still think there's a hell of a lot of life left in Stuart Broad. And because of that, I think he is, he, him and Jimmy are, are, the, are the greatest that we've ever had, along with Sir Alistair Cook and, uh, and, in my opinion, Kevin Peterson. So in the modern day time, Ben Stokes will get there. Joe Root will probably get there. But while we're saying nice things about good people, Stuart Broad is one of the nicest humans going. And for me, he's one of the best cricketers ever to play the game for England. And this is what he said about his future. I've never even thought about that. Um, I'm not a particular goal setter, so it's not like I'm, I could sit inside. I really want to take 600 wickets or anything like that. I'm someone who almost sets goals on... Um, series so I want to make sure that I'm here and peaking at that time and here and peaking at that time so um, you know the way Jimmy still runs in and bowls and has the skill at 30 coming up to 38 is incredible uh, and if you'd have asked me four years ago if I if you'd asked me that question four years ago to say at 34 do you think you'd still play for another three or four years I'd go absolutely not but now I am 34 I feel fit and I'm fitness testing Pre uh, post lockdown was um, the best it's ever been. Um, I feel excited. I'm really enjoying playing around this group. I've, I've, I've got a great relationship with Chris Silverwood, the head coach, who knows my bowling inside out, having worked with him as bowling coach. And you know, why, why not try and follow in Jimmy's footsteps? He's he's been wonderful to play with. He's still inspiring um, players in this group and and below. Um, and if the environment in the England change room stays as it is and how, how enjoyable it is to be around these cricketers like Rooty and Stokes and Wokes and then you add in your Popes and you know, Sam Currens who are just such young, exciting prospects, it's, it's a great place to play. It's really enjoyable. It's, it's, I don't feel like I'm the old, older sort of outcast and I feel like Jimmy feels exactly the same. I think there'd be a lot of 34-year-olds who have retired from the game would wish they'd be in an environment that we're in at the moment because it gives you energy, it, it inspires you to 
to keep improving um, and with the amount of competition there is, you've got to perform as well, let's be honest. You know, we've got so many fast bowlers here that if you're not taking wickets, you're probably not going to play, which keeps the standard high. So um, I feel very lucky that um, I'm in an environment I am and if I keep bowling the way I am uh, for the next few years, then I wouldn't rule anything out. Just a couple of stories for me on Stuart Broad. We actually played an indoor cricket game together a couple of years ago. I think it was for a sponsor. It might have been for Investec or one of the England sponsors at the time. And uh, Broadie got me to bowl the death over um, of this, even though I'm a leg spinner. I think because I was taking the game so much more seriously than anyone else was. And afterwards, uh, he said to one of my friends... Aussie bloke, he's he's a bit competitive, isn't he? I thought, geez, if Stuart Broad is saying that about me, I might have an issue. But the other one goes back to Australia as well because so much of his legacy is built up through Ashes contest. So after that, we talked about it before, the 2013 um, moment where he didn't walk. He actually got an edge uh, to the wicketkeeper, hit Brad Haddon's glove, went through to slip. He didn't walk, which is hilarious that Australia got upset at it because I was taught as a very small age never ever to walk. But suddenly Brody did it. We were very angry. So he arrives in Queensland and the Courier Mail uh, decides to just completely attack him. They actually said they were going to have a broad ban and they weren't going to mention him. They blacked out his face on the on the paper. It was incredible, the, the scenes that they went to, Harmy. And then, of course, he runs through Australia in the first, <laughs> in the first uh, test at the Gabba, where the Courier Mail is from. And he walked into the press conference uh, with the newspaper under his arm. He, he is someone who is at, yeah, at no stage, you know, he's always willing to say what he thinks. He's always very honest. He's always kept his heart on his sleeve. Uh, he's been such a fascinating cricketer to watch over the past decade, hasn't he? He's always believed that he could perform. And that's the biggest thing. You know, he's not gone... L- keep going back to what I said a fortnight ago Stuart Broad doesn't go to Manchester and hope and I've played with many cricketers Jared and you've you've seen probably many cricketers I wouldn't like to name names but <laughs> they would they would come out and say what you've said hoping and have sleepless nights for four days getting to Old Trafford thinking I've got to, I want to perform I want to perform I want to perform Stuart Broad got in his car couldn't wait for four days probably had sleepless nights waiting yeah desperate to get at the West Indies because he knew he was going to perform and that's what makes him great his ability to know the situation and rise to the occasion and that's why he's one of the all-time greats yeah I can't see any more nicer words higher higher prayers for for Stuart because he's he, he goes under the under the radar a little bit because of because of Anderson it's Broad and Anderson and Jimmy gets a hell of a lot of a lot of limelight headlights uh, headlines but in the last two years this guy has carried this bowling attack he's carried the England team's red ball cricket um, and today a lot of people are saying nice things about him over the sorry obviously over the course of this Test match. And deservedly so. And I think over the course of this next week, I hope people are shouting his name from the rooftops. I hope his name's in headline of every newspaper because 500 test match wickets is is an incredible achievement for a fast bowler. And I'm so proud and so pleased to say that. Not only did I play alongside him, I feel as though I could call him a friend. And... I don't praise too many people in that in that regard, in that way, other than greatness. And that's what that kid is. 
That was Steve Harmison finishing up on Stuart Broad. And you've been listening to How Stuart Broad Joined the All-Time Bowling Elite, a TalkSport 2 special. I'm Jared Kimber. And if you missed any of the show or wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, available on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify, and now on the free TalkSport app. Thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.